I went to a marvelous party. Don't even know the facts. They go with their gut. Don't have enough depth to last your entire season. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. Actually, there's a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, no, we're going no, no. to take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. The theater's so obsessed, with dramas so depressed, it's hard to sell a ticket on Broadway. Show should be more pretty, show should be more witty, show should be more... What's the word? Gay? Exactly. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome to our gayest show ever. Of the Dinner Party Show. Exactly. And I just think, Eric, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because you're a lot gayer than I am. Oh, really? Yes, really. So that's now a qualitative judgment? It is. It is a qualitative I, gayer. judgment. Gayer. Based, what are the criterion for deciding who's gayer? I, I would say walk. Uh, uh, strut, as we call it. What is it? Your friend once said to you, "You walk into a room like you're walking out of it." I think it's a good. I think it's a positive thing. I'm not using it as a slur. I think it indicates a, a marriage of spirit and attitude. So you think my walk is gayer than your selfies? I think you. Oh. My, you, I brought up my selfies again, I swear to God. <laughs> well, I will say there are a great many male celebrities who are far more famous than I am who are who are taking um, a lot of selfies, and they're straight, like James Franco. Well, I think there's. I think the jury may still be out on that, and I'd still like to, to say once again, James, please post better naked selfies of yeah. yourself. We don't mind that you're doing it. We just want you to improve the quality of the selfies. That bed shot of he, he and that other guy was, uh-huh. yeah, that was all right. That was That's more in the vein of what we're looking for, James. So, and this is more in the vein of our gayest show ever, just a which tip. is what and that's, we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gay days. I mean, things are, the world is getting gayer all the time. Uh, we've got a gay NFL player who we apparently... Do. 
has a strange cake thing with his partner. I don't know. That's fine. That's fine. I asked Brandon if that was something that football players did when they got drafted, but no, apparently that was an original to Michael and Vito. They do kiss guys when they're drafted, but they only put cake on the the guy if it's their boyfriend. That's the tradition. Is that the tradition? Oh, I see. Well, I guess I didn't ask that. So that's, you know, and we're starting to have some civil rights in some states if you're lucky and live in the right neighborhood and have the right friends and stuff. So it's a very gay world and we're going to talk about some gay things other than other than playing our highlights, our gayest highlights from over the years. Right. We are going to discuss some very gay topics with our very gay host, Eric Shaw Quinn. And our very gay co-host, Christopher Rice. <laughs> I don't know about that. I just take selfies and, yeah. and ride pretty, my mother's he's coattails. He's pretty straight yeah. acting. I've always very wanted straight to, acting. Yeah, like, and here's what I've always had to say about that. <laughs> um, Pamela Anderson sucks cock. Uh-huh. So if you suck cock, does that make you straight acting? Because yeah. Pamela's straight. I know. Yeah, so is totally. cock sucking straight acting? We'll discuss those and other pressing questions here on our gayest show ever. Because it doesn't get gayer than that. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. It's time once again for The Dinner Party Show's homemade relationship advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, care of The Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Well, we have a first here on Homemade Relationship Advice this week. As you know, it's Be Our Guest Week on The Dinner Party Show, and that means it's all about you, The Dinner Party Show listeners. But that's always the case on Homemade Relationship Advice. Anyhow, I don't want to spoil your surprise, so I'll just read this week's listener letter, and you can see for yourself. Dear Jonelle, my partner and I have lived together for over 10 years, but have only been married for just about six months since New York State would allow us to. It seems that as soon as we tied the knot, my partner started going to the gym for what seemed like 12 hours a day. Now, I must admit that my partner has become really stacked. I guess that means he's very fit. Lands, how they talk in New York. Anyhow, he continues, but lately, Jonelle... Every time I try and give my partner a friendly pinch to get things started, I just get the cold shoulder. That isn't exactly what he said, but you get the idea. He goes on. What can I do to get the party going between us again? Please help me find the spark in my marriage. Thanks. Signed, Living with a Heavenly Body in Purgatory. Did you get it? That's right. I think he's gay. I saw on the news where New York has just recently started allowing gay people to get married to each other. So that's my guess. And good for them. We don't have any gay people in Poison Creek, so we don't need marriage equality laws here so much. But I hear there's lots of gay people up in New York. And I know there's a lot of controversy on MSNBC about gay people being able to get married. But I'll just say this. It seems to me that everyone is missing the point. For those of you who don't want gay people to have sex with each other, I think marriage is the perfect solution. Marriage is a lot like Christmas. Everyone's all excited about unwrapping the presents, but once they're unwrapped, the tree goes out by the curb and the wrapping goes in the fire. Once the presents are open, the party is over. 
You've got a perfectly good toaster oven, but you don't get up early to see it or even pay special attention when you put your toast in. You just enjoy your toast and get on with your day. Marriage is like that. Everyone's all nerves and excitement and anticipation, and then the honeymoon is over. Literally. So people who are opposed to gay people sleeping with each other in that honeymoon kind of way are wasting their time opposing gay marriage. Let them unwrap the presents and the party you keep calling the sheriff to complain about will be over. Myself, I'm in favor of marriage. Everyone's. It's a wonderful gift and I wish it for everybody. Tomorrow, April 1st, is my anniversary. Merle and I will be married for 23 blissful years. And yes, heavenly, the honeymoon is over. But cheer up, because once the honeymoon is over, everything else can begin. I'm not gay, so I don't understand what that means to you, heavenly, but I'm married, and trust me, after 23 years, I've got this one. First off, if you're sleeping next to a heavenly body after six months, let alone 10 years, you've got plenty to be thankful for. I can't still fit in my wedding dress and neither can Merle. We try to keep in shape. There's talk that a curves will be opening up where borders used to be down at Poison Creek Mall. And the girls in my circle meeting group try to bring locale snacks when it isn't a church holiday. Recently, Merle and his best buddy Olson Lee Pugh did join up out at Body Works. It's a men's only fitness club that opened out on the state highway in the old auto body shop just outside of town. Body Works. Clever, huh? Those boys go out there all the time, and neither of them seems to have lost a pound, but they do seem to enjoy themselves, and they always come back in the best mood. So, if your partner is feeling good and in good shape, I think both of those are blessings you should remember in whatever kind of prayers you say at night. As to that spark, well, if you're looking for Christmas morning, maybe it's time to break out the Christmas wrap. Or better yet, head down to that gym and get a heavenly body of your own. I don't know if it'll put the spark back in your marriage or even give you a heavenly physique, but if you're anything like my Merle, you might just be in a better mood and not care nearly so much about when Christmas is coming again. The most important thing to remember about marriage, heavenly, is that it is about the long haul. With the joyous prospect of my 23rd anniversary looming, I can't begin to remember what Merle was up to six months in. I'm just thankful that you were able to get married in the first place, and I hope you'll be complaining about each other 22 and a half years from now. Because trust me, he'll get bored with that sports club and that body soon enough and come up with something that'll have you wishing he was back at the gym. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of The Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Remember, if the marriage you're in today isn't what you'd hope for, just wait a few months. Kiss My Moon, now open in Palm Springs. It's the only restaurant where the best of gay culture meets meat and potatoes. We've just repaired our wall of 1984 Panasonic television so they can go back to showing a nonstop loop of Donna Summer's video for I Feel Love. And our bathrooms are wallpapered entirely in Liza's old pantyhose. There's nothing in the entire restaurant that isn't turquoise or gold. And if your waiter looks familiar, that's because he did porn in 1992. 
And once you've finished your meal, step over to our Fabergé room, where you're sure to catch part of Leslie Jordan's 36-hour one-man show. And if his blood sugar gets low, don't worry. We'll just wheel in Alec Mappa so he can talk some more about that child of his. Kiss my moon! Now with locations in Provincetown, Cherry Grove, Rehoboth Beach, Laguna Beach, New Orleans, and San Francisco. But not New York and West Hollywood because those queens charge too much for rent. On Mondays, it's half off for anyone in a Hawaiian shirt. And on Tuesdays, houseboys drink free! You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. I have to stop saying that. You've never left The Dinner Party Show. It just feels like the thing that you should hear after you come back from one of our completely fake commercials from one of our completely right. fake sponsors. I think it's ironic. Yeah, it is. I think it's we're parodying. <laughs> Actual radio shows. Good. We're a parody of a real show. We're not a real show. We're no, a parody of that's one. That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. So you have a lot for us to talk about. Uh, Do I? Uh, yes, because it's our gayest show ever and you are our gayest host. So let's go. We're back to that. Yeah, I really are. think so. We're going to I've only a... got one joke for tonight. So I really gonna, do. I think we need to have a gay off. Okay, what's that going to consist of? I don't know. Of? I'll have to think about that. But if we're going to make it a competitive sort of yeah. title. Yeah. If there's, like, I don't mind being the gayest host, but I'm not sure that what that would even mean. I, I don't know. I think that's, uh, I don't know. That's a strange choice. Well, I will say when I wrote a book about um, Marines called Blind Fall, currently available for sale at thedinnerpartyshow.com, people did ask me if I had been a Marine. So, and as we all know, Marines are very, very, very straight all the time. They're always straight, and they when, never bottom. When I wrote a series of books about, uh, <laughs> based on the television show Queer as Folk, people asked me if I'd been to Pittsburgh. It was a euphemism, or what is it? How, so, have you been to Pittsburgh? It was like, are you into fisting? That's what they were really asking you. Have you been to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think it's a general sort of confusion that people have about books. Like my mother always says, about reality. This doesn't remind me of our family at all. And it's like, well, because this book isn't about our family. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This show, though, is about your mother. Most of it is, anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. the fairy's home companion. Absolutely. And my mother is queen of the fairies. But she is not gay, and we're talking about gay things, so that's enough discussion right? of Eric's mother. we've had mother. this list sitting oh, on the desk God, here. You brought it in, like, on our first November. Show? Since November 17th of last year. You're always bringing shit in because you think I'm going to run out of stuff I'm to talk about. I'm finally going to be able to use okay. it and throw it away. What is it? It is the percentage, the high, the it's what's the gayest place in America. Where do you think the gayest place in America is? The the place with the highest self-identified population of gay people in the country. 
I think it's probably the rest stop off exit 34 outside Birmingham, Alabama. So you're speaking from personal experience? <laughs> you know what, bitch? No, I'm not. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking from your personal experience. You don't know what my personal experience anyway, is. Anyway, the gayest place. So the gayest city, or are we talking about like a, a, this is per this capita? Is a, this is a state by state. Yeah, it is. It's per capita. And it's let me, per- can I just say something? Can I just confess it right here? Per capita is I use a, a word, excuse me, that I use with great confidence and I have no idea what it means. It's, I have absolutely no I, idea what per I, I capita means. I think it's means. actually two words. Okay, it's two words, so that's a start, okay. And it means, I think it means literally by head. By head, okay, so density in a certain square miles, uh, well, okay. What we're saying, in this, keep saying in, this particu- <laughs> in this particular, yeah, I, I think that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> So it's like it's like you have heads and the heads are the heads are on people and the the people are in a place. Okay, that's per capita. Sorry. No, I think it I think I I think that what they mean by it is that it is in terms of the number of people in a given space. So okay. like you might have more people might live in New York than might live in uh I don't know, Albany. Okay. But per capita by the number of heads, there might be a higher percentage of something in Albany than in New York, mm-hmm. even though there are more people in New York. I see. So technically, while there may be, in this case, more gay people in New York City than there are in Albany, there might be a higher percentage per capita okay. in Albany than in New York. So it, it looks at people not in terms of the numbers, but in terms of— I see. Per capita. Okay, so like concentration. Yeah, I guess so. It's okay. yeah, it, it it it's a more of a it's a broader sort of term. Okay, well, this is very gay. I'm so glad we're talking about yeah, it. Okay, so what is, is the gayest place on earth? It. You start. This is Latin. Well, this is Latin, which so was very, gay because very Latins, romantic. I've been with very some romantic. I don't listen, uh, Linda. Linda. Oh Linda. no! Oh no! That's not Linda. a juxtaposition Linda. we want. We got to back off that. Yeah. Anyway, if we had a, if we were on a network, we would have just been You're kicked going off to the get show. Some hate mail over that. Uh, yeah, good. Finally. Finally. If people who would be offended by that are listening to this show. Okay. okay. So guess what is the gayest place in the country? San Francisco. Well, that's actually a city. Oh, the gayest. Well, what's the question? The gayest place? What do you mean? The like percentage a- of U.S. adults who identify as gay and lesbian or transgender. In a place. But how are we defining place, Eric Shark? Okay. Is it well, a city or like a there's state? California and there's right. Hawaii and so there's a Indiana state, and a there's state. Delaware. And- a state. Okay, sure. Okay. <laughs> Those are all states. Is this a trick Just question? Guess. <laughs> this is dude. This I am so stuff. tired of this. If you don't guess Oregon. 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 I don't know. Oregon. Because I feel like it's going to be something that you don't expect. Like, otherwise well, you wouldn't have I asked I guess me. that is kind of, and it's the reason I'm being cagey about the answer. The answer is the District of Columbia, which oh. is not technically a state, but it is not a city. This is, whole thing has been ruined. Our show is a disaster. We're not gay enough to be doing this. Well, I think it's really telling that the yeah. nation's capital is the gayest place in the country. The gay agenda comes to fruition. Right. I, I, it's I, because yeah. they're counting. It's because of how many times. Tony Perkins is getting counted. Absolutely. All of his heads. Listen, though, 
Linda, Linda, listen. Listen. The, um, the, something I had always heard about Washington, D.C. is that there were always a, a very high percentage of gay people there, but depending on who the administration was or what, how conservative they were, they would go back and in and sort of in and out of the closet over the years. Maybe this doesn't happen so much recently, but maybe it's a sort of relatively fixed population of gay politicos who are now identifying as publicly gay when somebody asks them. Well, I would think that the people who the politicos in Washington D.C. are actually probably a small, pretty small group. It's the whole place. It's everybody who's there. I think it's probably more lobbyists and political functionaries and uh, people working for the government. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. By As opposed to actual senators and congressmen and mean. whatever. That's just a, what, you, you, a couple of hundred people. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really, that really is what I but mean. Yeah, I mean, we people get, who work in service there are of more, politics. The, the, South Dakota is a gayer place than California. Mm-hmm. Wow. Are you even paying any attention I, to there me? There was a face from our booth. We got a face from our sound designer, Brandon Griffith, and I'm like, what is it about? I, I got distracted. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we are we bothering you guys? <laughs> I don't know. We're bothering Brandon. We're trying to do the gayest show ever. Well, I think that's about all I We're can We're not take. gay enough. I've, it's I've a had disaster. It. Well, We're not gay enough. I'll tell you what. We'll... We'll go. We have a, a special feature, a special review. Oh yeah, of uh, gay entertainment uh, is from up who? next from uh, Janet Maslin Janet of the Maslin? New York Times. Yes, oh. so we'll go to that. This should gave the place up real good. Okay, good. In response to plunging circulation and declining ad revenue, the editors of the New York Times have taken a series of bold steps to maintain their position as the newspaper of record. Their most groundbreaking move, announced just last month, was that critic Janet Maslin would now be reviewing gay porn. Here's Janet Maslin with her review of Spunky Boys, Volume 11, Billy Takes a Hot Shower. If you haven't seen any of the previous installments in the Spunky Boys series, you won't be at a loss for understanding the rather Spartan plot devices at work in Spunky Boys Volume 11, Billy Takes a Hot Shower. This rudderless, overly long affair is structured around a series of sexual encounters involving live young men whose prepubescent nature is alluded to by their hairlessness and their occasional, if inexplicable, tendency to bring a skateboard with them into the disheveled, badly lit room in which they copulate with other young men much like themselves. To say that Spunky Boy's Volume 11, Billy Takes a Hot Shower, is lacking in momentum would be to dismiss the filmmaker's evident hostility towards grounding this endless series of repetitive encounters in anything resembling a plot. At one point, one of the young men expresses a fondness for Britney Spears, but the earbuds of his iPod are soon ripped from his ears by a taller, also thin and pale young man, who, upon unceremoniously removing his flaccid penis from his board shorts, flatly suggests, why don't you enjoy this instead? This stilted exchange is just one example of the sodden, credibility-strained structures on which this unscripted and underimagined failure of a film attempts to rest. Had the performers themselves expressed any passion for the proceedings, perhaps the director of Spunky Boy's Volume 11, Billy Takes a Hot Shower, would have managed to raise the temperature on these proceedings by at least a few degrees. But as it stands, and crouches down, and bends over, 
and rolls over onto its back. The encounters depicted lack the frisson required to inspire arousal in anyone but the most dedicated viewer of hardcore gay male pornography. Perhaps the filmmakers were trying for some form of variation when they had two of their performers enter a running shower together, but the quick edits that follow do nothing to conceal the evident discomfort of these young men as they are forced to maneuver against and into one another in such a confined space. Overall, the contorted grimaces and startled sharp grunts of these young men would feel more appropriate to an unwelcome medical exam and not a series of allegedly spontaneous erotic encounters in one of the messiest guest bedrooms this critic has ever seen. Furthermore, no explanations are provided as to setting and locale. By the time eight anonymous young men have passed through the bedroom in question, the viewer is left to wonder, whose house is this anyway? And the billy of the title, just like the premise of this mess, is never clearly identified, not even in the depressing interviews included in the deeply ill-advised special features on the DVD. If Billy was one of the young men who squeezed himself into the shower, then why did they only call each other dude and bro? Perhaps questions such as these are the smallest concerns for any viewer who comes to Spunky Boys Volume 11, Billy Takes a Hot Shower, looking for anything on the order of a transportive narrative experience. This is pornographic filmmaking at its lowest, most obvious, and least inspired. One hopes that the young men on display here are saving the money they've earned from this film and hopefully spending some of it on a trainer so that they might appear in the considerably more high-gloss fare put out by Falcon studios in titan media i'm janet maslin for the new york times and this has been my gay porn review pedestrian of the week Periodically, we at The Dinner Party Show like to take a moment to recognize the pedestrian who best exemplifies the struggle between man, car, and the sense of entitlement that makes the contest interesting. This week's Dinner Party Show Pedestrian of the Week is the drag queen in the electric wheelchair who drove into the crosswalk against the light and into oncoming traffic based not on the light but on the timing for her best dramatic exit after delivering her touch pearls parting words at the Starbucks on the corner of Santa Monica and Robertson. No one hit her, but it was far from certain. Either way, with the car horns, screams, and the shower of expletives, it made for an unforgettable exit. Our tiaras are off to you, Wheelerella. We are glad that for the moment, the title of the Dinner Party Show's Pedestrian of the Week isn't being awarded posthumously. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party.
You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome back to The Dinner Party Show, our gayest show ever. Ever. In progress with our gayest host ever, Eric Shaw Quinn. As opposed to all these other hosts that we've had? I've actually had a few in and out. I haven't let you know. We've done some uh, shows on the side. Really? Yeah. When do they air? Well, you know, they don't air because they don't go well because you are the glue that holds the dinner party show together. <laughs> you really are. You are the big gay glue. It's Eric Shaw Quinn. Uh, Eric Shaw Quinn, the big gay glue. The big gay glue. Say that five times That's fast. That's really not what I was shooting for. But, all, right. all right. At least I'm not the wind beneath your fucking wings. Did I ever God, I tell hate that song. you you're my hate hero? Such an offensive song. It is. It's a terrible song. We'll burn every copy of it. Or, or just I love that Midler, but virus. I hate that song. I just hate it. Oh, what are we talking about in this segment, Eric Sharquin? Let's well, focus. I, we're talking about things, all things gay. We're That's what the whole things. show is about. Is that gay stuff? So we're talking about our favorite gay TV moments. Oh wow! Yeah, we'd love to hear yours. So um, post about your favorite gay TV moments. But yeah, gay is going eh on TV. Like yeah. there's. Like I was just looking at the Glad report for this last season, and I think they, they were saying something like 35 characters. And that's down from previous years? We had a gay explosion a few years ago, and now it seems like we're sort of <laughs> was, gay, gay, could, gay, gay, gay. I didn't think I was ever going to get all that gay out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and your exploding egg sandwiches that's that you right. make every Sunday before the show. That's right. You know, it's all about exploding brunch. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so it seems like we're on the, I don't know, the downslope of the of the sort of gays well, are everywhere I think trend. we're in a really interesting period because I think, as we adjust to gay people being a part more a part of the mainstream, we're moving away from, you know, the sort of traditional and here's another show that's about what straight people think of gay people. Like I like I watched Will and Grace because it was the only show on television about gay people, but it was sort of like being black and being asked to watch Amos and Andy. It was mm-hmm. it was not a very, I, I, I was a little put off by it. Like, what, what was, was it hysterical. that put you off specifically? It, it was because it was such a, uh, a, it was such a prefab notion of what being gay is. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think it's very limiting, and I think there has been a very sort of limited view because visibly gay people have been a very limited group of people for a very long time. I, I wonder if now that. It is there's less stigma involved with coming out. If we're going to discover that it's more than ten percent, if there are mm-hmm. a lot of people who haven't come out, not because they were afraid of being prosecuted, but because they didn't want to be a part of what was being mm-hmm. they were being told gay culture was. Mm-hmm. Like if I was presented with if I was told that I needed to be Jack, mm-hmm. Sean Hayes' character on Will and Grace, very funny. But mm-hmm. if I was told that that was my option, that that was the life that I had to lead. I'm not sure if I'd show up for that either. Or you think it's not possible for you to be gay because you don't share those characteristics. You right. think it's more. It goes beyond just wanting or being sexually attracted yeah. to other men. And there is a whole like um, culture of sexual compulsivity that is presented about this is what it is to be gay. And so, which was also an aspect of Jack's character. And, it and was it, always if you're a joke. not if you're not in, if you're not sexually compulsive then maybe you're not gay. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just think all of those sorts of, as we move away from those stereotypes, like the character on um, Happy Endings, the gay character on Happy Endings may be my favorite gay character on television so far because he was 
Nothing like any other gay character I'd ever seen. He was overweight. He was always eating badly. Mm-hmm. He was no interest in going to the gym. He was not particularly a fashion plate or in any way interested in any of those. Th- you know what I He mm-hmm. wasn't one of the five guys from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. With a show where it took five people to play one stereotype. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, it's... He was allowed to just be a guy who was also gay, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a much more, made him a much more interesting, richer character. And I think that may become the the transition, if not the salvation of gay in popular culture, where, where we're able to see people as, you know, as NFL football stars, as opposed to, you know, a screaming theater queen from New York also... Perfectly valid, but not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. There, the, 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 one of the turning points that you pointed out to me that we talk about a lot was Kevin and Scotty on Brothers and Sisters, right? I loved that show because Greg Berlanti portrayed those people as being just like everybody else. Right, they had right. relationship problems, and were they going to do this? And where was it okay about the career? And it was about the money. Their problems were not about being gay. Their problems were the same as everybody else's on the show. And they were depicted in that full way as opposed to the gay couple on um, Desperate Housewives who were props in the background to, you know, showcase the the stars of the show. Right. I I think that's the case on many shows. And I don't think that means that that show needs to be dismissed, but it was less, it made it less interesting for Okay. Me. What haven't we seen yet? What's the thing we haven't seen yet in terms of gay characters on TV that we want to see? I, You know, I think what I would like to start seeing is gay heroes. Yes, absolutely. Like the, the Da Vinci Code thing is something, or Da Vinci's Demons thing is something that that was part of what upset me. A gay superhero, a gay hero just right. in general, you know, right. uh, one of the costume characters on Marvel or mm-hmm. on uh, one of Greg Berlanti's shows, maybe, the, you know, they... That would be, I would love for gay children to start being able to see themselves Mm -hmm. as something other than just Jack. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, we have more of our gayest moments ever here on The Gayest Show Ever. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Stick around. It's pretty gay. Uh, It's very gay around here. Again, to teach us how the power of free expression can be used to destroy ideas she finds personally threatening, it's our Bay Area culture critic, Buzz Kilton. Good evening, I'm Buzz Kilton, and this is the Dinner Party Show's Bay Area Culture Report. Recently, I spent several months on the Navajo Reservation, where I managed to negotiate a lasting truce between several of the tribe's members and the management of the Quickies Liquor Store on Highway 16. When I returned to my home in Berkeley, my partner, Shahini, convinced me that it was finally time to introduce our daughter, Jamaica Hisu, to that most complex and potentially mind-altering institution of American culture, television. Jamaica is certainly our pride and joy. We treasure her as we would treasure the first spreading leaves of our winter boar kale plants. 
By giving her two different names from antipodal cultural environments, we have stripped her of the potential ethnic confusion that may arise one day when she learns that we adopted her from a mother who tried to shoot her when she accidentally uncovered her stash of Iraq cocaine. Banning television, as well as all other forms of entertainment that don't involve our loom, has helped us to inure Jamaica Hisu from the pernicious influence of patriarchal culture, as well as painful memories of a mother she remembers only as Bang Bang Bang. So it was, with some trepidation, that I yielded to my loving life partner's request. We spent time searching for the right television program with which to introduce Jamaica to this troubling medium. Seven months later, we settled on a show entitled I, Carly. Initially, I was concerned that the little I and the lack of a space before Carly meant that the young woman in question was either a robot or composed of just enough electronic components to allow her male captors to trade and sell her at will. Shoheine assured me that the title's strange spelling and lack of capitalization was an allusion to the fact that the character in question had her own non-pornographic internet-based show. The title of the episode we viewed was Carly's Got a Hot Room. I found the choice of words here to be distressing and that they raised a certain level of sexual ambiguity around a program being marketed to young viewers. And while Carly is certainly a major character, the episode centered largely around the antics of her older brother, Spencer, who seemed to have no gainful employment or creative outlet of any kind, yet spends an inappropriate amount of time with younger children. Also, Spencer's inability to express himself with anything besides large, cartoonish gestures or loud exclamations of silly, nonsensical catchphrases suggested a propensity for imminent violence, possibly sexual in nature. I attempted to engage in some in-process decoding for Jamaica, but by then she was too busy clapping her tiny hands and laughing while Spencer presented Carly's friends with the secret gift he had made for her birthday, a lamp fashioned entirely out of gummy bears. The lamp was placed in Carly's room as a surprise, and within minutes her room was ablaze, as indicated by weak puffs of smoke generated at the top of the set's single staircase, smoke which sent the entire cast hurtling down the steps without any apparent knowledge of or regard for proper fire evacuation procedure. So Heine and I were both furious that the environmental impact of this fire was not explored in any way. Rather, the remainder of the episode focused entirely on the catastrophic damage done to one teenager's crass temple of materialism and consumption. When an unexpected insurance check allows Spencer and Carly's friends to redo her entire room in the span of several hours, an absurd conceit even for an alleged children's show, the true and terrible meaning of the words Carly's got a hot room become distressingly clear. What aspect of Carly's room receives the most time and attention during this frenzied renovation? Was it green technology or, God forbid, a fire escape? No! It was Carly's makeup table!
Kudos to the producers and writers of iCarly for sending the message to young girls everywhere that they should spend their time painting their faces like dolls so that their patriarchal oppressors may take pleasure in their physical appearances before they incinerate them. As is usually our custom when we expose Jamaica Hisu to popular culture, Shohaini and I spent the next several hours using feeling sketches and creative movement to decode the barely sublimated messages of misogynistic hatred found throughout this episode of iCarly. We invite you to join our conversation and share in our beliefs at the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page. Next time, I'll return with a step-by-step -step guide to creating celebratory, non-offensive, multicultural, stand-up comedy. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And welcome back to our gayest show gay, ever. Gay, 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 gay. So gay here on The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to some of our gayest moments in our history, our long gay history. Which is, I have to say, really a tough call. To, it really was. To glean one moment as being more gay than another around here is yeah. really tough. It's pretty gay around If here. we had gone back through our live talk segments, I think all of them would have made it, because we're pretty gay, even it's, though I've been joking that you're the gayer ones. I don't, I don't know. It's still, yeah, it's... You give me a hell of a run for my money. If I, I sure am do. the gayest one, you're you're right on my heels. I, I sure do. Well, we didn't really get around to any favorite gay TV moments. Clearly, Buzz is having a challenge with television Always. in general. Buzz but, has a challenge with everything. But I think that um, one of the things that's kind of kept people... I, there really wouldn't be television if it weren't for gay people. There's so much gay sensibility yeah. in TV. It was very reassuring to me as a child. Billy Crystal playing... Um, that gay character on Soap a million years ago reached out to right. me in at a time and a place when I didn't really see any other gay people. Yeah. What, what would you? What well, would be your I, favorite I like moments of... I like where we are now. Like, okay, so I I had little patience for the stereotypes in the beginning. I was less interested in the squeaky clean gays that followed up, like the two politically correct gay characters that would creep into everything. <laughs> like they're perfect and they have no problems and they do everything right. I like the sort of damaged bad gays like that we're getting into now. And I love – he's not gay. He's really sort of omnisexual – the new prince on this season of Game of Thrones. Uh, I just think he's yeah. so, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's hot on The yeah. Mentalist. He's hot wherever he turns up. That actor is pretty, yeah, but that character is really, yeah. I think it is, you're right, it is that almost, I, I hate to use the term predatory because it's gotten such a negative connotation. But it, I, that's with such, where we are, right? he's very yeah. sort of, he's very sexually aggressive. Exactly, and, and it's it's about reclaiming that from moving beyond the stereotypes and then moving beyond the safe portrayals, let's call them, and into the realm where we can have gay characters be damaged in the ways that other characters are damaged, as opposed to pathological or for just being playboys, gay. Or playboys, you yeah. know that sort of sense or villains, of, villains that, who yeah, that kind of sense of the way that we've portrayed straight man as this sort of charming rake who'd yes. sleep with anything in a skirt. Like exactly how wonderful to start to see gay characters who yeah are 
totally after things in pans. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. that. That could yeah, that really is. Um, any sort of early influences, like from when you were a kid, that 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 reach it out really... to you, like like Dynasty, I think was oh, a yeah. huge influence for me. You know, mm-hmm. when I was younger, it was there was a gay character on the show. I honestly think it's why the show was such a huge hit. It was like because, mm. oh my God, a gay character mm-hmm. on a primetime television show in America. I think it may have been the only one, but mm. yeah, there was one scene in the gymnasium where the two of them. It was really just quick cuts between them looking into each other's eyes. We don't even know if they were. They were looking into the camera, not each wow. other. But it was. I remember it was one of those moments. I still think about it. It was so wow. hot and so completely just daring for it to even be out there in the world. Mm-hmm. I guess, I don't know, you're enough younger than me that maybe it was old hat well, being gay by the time you, you came along. Well, you have to also remember that I spent the first 10 years of my life in the Castro District in San Francisco. So I, there was a Pretty lot gay. of imagery around that, that took some of the shock value out of the later portrayals. But I, I will say Ellen's coming out was a big deal. I remember being in college yeah. and all of us gathering in a dorm room to, to watch that, and that was a big fucking deal. Yeah. You know, and and, and, yeah, and I and guess so, we it also teases the topic of the other gays, yes, the, lesbians. the lesbians in our culture. We we had uh, Buzz on to talk about iCarly, but yeah, are, are lesbians underrepresented? There's Orange is the New Black is certainly um, the gayest, the most lesbianic show um, since Ellen. Very. Um, uh, you know, another interesting thing about me. I don't know if you've heard the interesting thing about me. Everybody drink. So the 10 years that I spent in San Francisco, I spent most of them at an experimental school called Synergy. <laughs> that explains very... so much about your experimental intelligence. Exactly. And so per capita, baby, per, it means Babe. lesbian head. Uh, so I was, my teachers were lesbians. They were Northern California academic, ferociously liberal lesbians, much like Buzz Kilton. And so my relationship... An inspiration, maybe? Exactly. Autobiographical? Is exactly. Buzz Kelton autobiographical? Exactly. And my relationship to that type is very similar to what the people I know in the South, uh, is how they relate to Catholic nuns. Like, my, I react like, there's an authority figure here. She's a lesbian. Don't fuck up. Do what she says. Like, the school teachers are here. That's really how I feel around lesbians. It's, it's very strange. Huh. And most people don't have That's that That's an interesting association. Yeah. Most people Did are taught by... Uh, clo- no. Oh, God, no. It was the opposite. It was all about... It was like Montessori. It was all about feelings. They would never hit a child. Ever. Ever. Or get caught. Or get... Or, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they went home and hit their own children. But I, I don't think so. I don't think so. They were... They were pretty neat actually um so yeah i mean like i don't know if that that addresses the topic but i i feel like i had a conversation once with a lesbian poet about basically why gay men and lesbians sometimes really don't spend all that much time together yeah i have there are not enough lesbians in my life I there, would say. yeah they're not enough in mine either but but there's i don't it's so hard to talk about without degenerating into stereotypes but i think it's it, it, there is a i do have a, a sense and maybe it's the childhood thing i was talking about just a moment ago that I'm going to do something wrong with a lesbian. That I'm just going to do something wrong. You don't I'm hang going out to with say the, the wrong or thing. the priest yeah. because you're going to get in trouble or you're going to offend them or something. So yeah. Huh. But, you know, my, my background with lesbians is, is from the side of the very liberal, politically correct ones. You know, it is, it is the side of we're going to have some agreements about how we speak. You know, and, and, and some of that was taken away from me when I went to the South. But, 
but it, I do feel like I'm going to use the wrong word for something, or I'm not going to use the political. It, it's a lot of the same anxiety that people are feeling right now around the transgender community because it's an emergent, sort of ascendant community and emergent that people are learning what words really offend people. And I have that persistent sense around a lot of lesbians. I would defy us to sit in a room with Cousin Corey and come up with something that's, that would offend right. her. And that's what I had. She's a, the yeah. lesbians that I'm crazy about. Like, right. Like she's, I'm the one who's running, getting up on the chair and screaming like a girl, not, not Corey. She's, yeah. She's good to go. She is a uh, yeah. yeah so I'm I'm essentially reacting to girl. a very narrow demographic. Well, for my it's past. your own sort of history. I they, I think that's really an interesting sort of you know comparison of the, the the nuns to the lesbians. That sense of seeing lesbians in an authority figure sort of way. But I think that in general, I wonder. I guess it's the sort of man woman thing because the the interests are so different mm-hmm. um, in the gay community. I, I hope that there will be more of a Blending, if you will. Yes, of, I do too. Of the of the community, all because the, they call it they don't call it Boys Town here in West Hollywood for nothing. No, absolutely, and we could use some more lesbians around these parts. So all move right. on in, girls. All right, it's time for our gayest sketch ever on our gayest show from ever. our gayest correspondent Let's, in the whole gay universe. How, Who could that possibly be? It was hard be? to pick one moment from Jordan Ampersand, our critic at large, but we somehow managed to do it, and here it is. It's a rare and special moment here on the Dinner Party Show when critic at large Jordan Ampersand actually does something we've asked him to do. Of course, it helps if the assignment is easy and involves illegal drugs. The White Party takes place every Easter weekend in Palm Springs, and this year we sent Jordan to cover this often controversial and always outrageous celebration. Hi, everyone at the Dinner Party Show. I'm coming to you poolside from the Cipro Resort in beautiful Palm Springs. If some of you are saying, you're not 80, Jordan Ampersand, what are you doing in Palm Springs and why are you admitting you're there? Well, folks, it's white party weekend. Hot young people get a weekend pass to enjoy the sunshine and fun in the land of dying has-beens. Yes, I'm sure that has-beens are just thrilled to be set upon by the never-will-be. Um, sorry, Eric, you might not know this, but the White Party doesn't have rock bands. It has DJs. And STDs. No, he's playing the Winter Party in I Miami. See. Anyway, there's an amazing feeling in the air here that I just can't stop getting all over myself. Well, try not to swallow. Eric, why do you have to make everything so cheap? The White Party isn't just about sex. There's really? a real sense of community here for hot people. Aw, Jordan... We ask you to go around and do some interviews with other attendees to get their perspectives on the party. Do you have anyone for us to talk to? Well, I was going to bring my best friend Fitzpatrick on with me, but he said a nine-foot-tall Indian woman commanded him to walk out into the desert with no Hmm. water, so I'm just going to give him some space. Also, I can't find my cat. You brought your cat to the white party. She wanted to come. She told me with her mind. I I think she's going to be okay. I left her with a fire eater named Pablo who was totally hot, every pun intended. And he's been awake for two days now, so if he was going to fall asleep, it would have happened already. Jordan, have you actually been doing anything at the white party we can discuss on the air? Yes, I have, and you will be so proud of me because it involves doing something that's kind of smart. Let's not jump the gun here. What is it? Well, there are a lot of fun guys here who have their own podcasts, and I've been getting ideas from them on how you guys can make your show not so lame. (sighs) 
they think we should fire you? No, don't be so hostile. This weekend is about love for hot people. Anyway, earlier this morning around 3 a.m., I had a long talk with Milton and Filton. They're from Chicago, and they have their own podcast called Two Queens Screaming. It's totally great. Have a listen. Here's a clip. Jesus Christ. And if you keep listening, you'll notice that while they're both skinny and white, they spend most of their time talking like urban black women. Isn't that clever? You oh, guys should try so that original. on your show. No, we shouldn't. Look, I'm just trying to be helpful. Oh, really? And how long did you have to pretend to be interested in Milton and Milton's podcast before they gave you a drug? Oh, pardon me. My motives were entirely pure. I was really? not after their drugs. Oh. I was after a place to sleep for the next three days. Oh. Okay, thank uh-huh. you. And besides, you're the one with the bad show I'm trying to fix. And you're the one who always needs a fix. No, no, excuse me, but for me, this weekend is about accepting myself for exactly who I am after I haven't eaten for four days. Ooh, that sounds promising. But first, I need to find my cat because I think I just saw Pablo being carried out on a stretcher. Is Pablo the fire eater? Yeah, but he wasn't on fire, so I guess he's okay. He probably just needs some rest. Yes, I'm sure he's just late for a nap. That's why they're rushing him to the emergency room. I want to find my cat, but I'm so hungry. Maybe I should get some more Jesus juice from that guy with the Bentley. Also, do you think I should start a music career? Because earlier these guys heard me humming, and they told me they'd record a demo for me if I took my Speedo off and put it around my Jordan, 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 I'm not quite sure why I'm doing this, given that you've never once earned a single act of kindness from me, but... If your closest friend in the world suddenly turns to you after days of ingesting various drugs and claims that a nine-foot-tall hallucination has ordered him to walk into the Southern California desert alone and with no water, it's not time to give him space. It's time to call 911 before the coyotes and the rattlesnakes get to him first. I found her! Your hallucinating friend? Wait, wait, what's wrong with her? Oh my god, I'm so pissed. Who gave my cat drugs? Everyone is raising their hands. No, this is unacceptable. Well, you know what they say. What's good for the one who likes to get goose? Shut up, this isn't funny. My cat has been given drugs. This is dangerous and illegal. Jordan, it's the white party. Everything that's happening there is dangerous and illegal. This is bullshit. Come on, Brittany Fabulous. We're out of here. Jordan? Excellent. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And that was pretty gay, I have to say. Pretty gay. That was our gayest show ever. Yeah, yeah. But we'll be back to try again. Next week. For... Next week will involve you in the gayness because we're having another special edition of You're the Guest. So and call, we're still very gay. Call 323-PEZ-TDPS or leave a, leave a topic question or query on our Facebook page and we will make it part of the show because you are the guest. Until next time, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks. Keep it gay.
I've been to a marvelous party. 